0: And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money. Markets. Life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors.
1: Good morning and welcome to the hump day edition of The Real Investment Show as uh, we get another day of going nowhere. (laughs) So, you know, uh, yesterday, of course, markets had looked to open up a little bit, uh, wound up, you know, kind of trading back and forth today, finished up ending lower, um, on really just no progress on the debt ceiling. Had a conversation yesterday, there were some, you know, kind of some expectations and hopes that maybe things would get to progress a little bit. Nothing really happened to any great degree. Uh, President Biden cutting his trip short, coming back to the U.S. now to uh, negotiate further on the debt ceiling deal as that as that deadline approaches. Of course, has everybody you know kind of anxious right now? But as we talked about, you know, this market just literally is dead. It just goes nowhere right now. Just kind of trades back and forth in range this morning. Uh, futures are pointing up here a little bit. Target announced better than expected earnings. Uh, came in. Really, kind of across the board, a, a good beat on both revenues as well as earnings. Now, yep. of course, that earnings had been, had been, had brought, been brought down, those estimates have been brought down a bit, but came in at 205 versus the $1.76 estimate. So, again, that's a pretty big beat, even over the estimate right now. Uh, stocks going to trade up this morning, um, you know, about a point or so um, on that news. And, you know, but here's important is that we saw yesterday the retail sales number and the retail sales core number which is the, kind of the core good sales that uh, a lot of economists look at, continues to trend in a positive direction. So you know, all these concerns about a big consumer slowdown, et cetera, hasn't really you know, matured yet, doesn't mean it won't, but so far consumers seem to be kind of hanging in there. Now, Target is, of course, a very different company than what we saw yesterday with Home Depot and was exchanging some uh, tweets this morning You know, on that very issue, because yesterday Home Depot announced a pretty dismal result and and really kind of some of the worst earnings they've had in like 20 years. So it was a very bad report for Home Depot. Target coming out, very different story. Now, why the difference between the two? Well, remember that during 2020-2021, as we were sending $5 trillion worth of checks to households and everybody was locked up in their house, what did they do with the money? they went to home depot remember we used to joke about this in 2020 is that you know we're supposed to be all locked down in our house yet you go to home depot and they were packed with people buying stuff you know, lawnmowers and washers and dryers and everything else to, you know, build decks on their house and put in a pool and all this other stuff. So we were spending all this money at Home Depot and Lowe's, of course, during that period to you know uh, at a home office, right, or whatever we were doing to our house. It was a lot of, fix, of fixer uppers uh, during that uh, two year period. So we pulled forward a lot of Home Depot sales in 2020, 2021. So what you're getting now is that boomerang effect for Home Depot it's coming back around now targets a little bit different animal because that's stuff that people need to buy all the time right i mean uh you know kids are still needing diapers and um you know you still got to get food you got to you know uh, you know buy the stuff to just live your daily life right toilet paper and all those type of things so you know the consumers on those side that that's spending that is going to have to continue at some point now retail retail uh, sorry retail consumers may be pulling back some of their more You know uh luxurious expenses right those kind of the things i want maybe get put off a little bit but things you need are still going to get bought because you, you have to still live your life and and that's and that's just something so the thing to be paying attention to over the next really kind of few days we're getting a lot of retail sales reports out but you know pay attention to these stores that are more uh on the lower end the dollar trees the dollar generals the targets the walmart's pay attention to what they say uh, not just on earnings, but also are they reaffirming their guidance for the year? Or are they getting more negative? Now, Target reaffirmed their guidance this year saying, hey, the outlook is okay. Um, we don't see anything, any kind of big headwinds right now. And again, this is a little bit kind of juxtaposed to what everybody's been expecting with this big crash in the consumer. And yet, they seem to be kind of holding in the hill right now. Now, the one caveat to that, of course, is tighter credit standards. Tighter credit standards, obviously, is going to cramp disposable incomes, of course, for the average American, right? Because they have their wages coming in. Wage growth is definitely slowing now. We've seen that data here as of late, which means they're going to have to turn more and more to credit cards to continue to support their living standards. And with tighter credit, of course, that's going to lower that ability to obtain more credit to keep consuming at the same pace. So there's certainly some risk to these retail sales numbers as we go forward. But right now, at least, these numbers are doing okay. And, and this is why we're looking at GDP for the second quarter around two, two and a half percent growth in the second quarter. Now that's gonna be better than the 1.1% growth we saw in the first quarter, but importantly here, there's no real sign of recession right now and this is going to be one of the things that we've really got to pay attention to lots of really negative headlines around the globe right now about recession and this and that and the other thing but yet the data continues to support this idea of at least steady growth um you know even slower but you know slower growth but still steady growth within the economy we haven't seen that big backlash yet that everybody's been expecting doesn't mean it won't come right? We need to keep paying attention to that. We need to pay attention to the data, but that turn has not entirely showed itself just yet. So again, keep paying attention to this retail sales because retail sales are important overall because they make up 40%, as we said yesterday, retail sales make up 40% of PCE, which is 70% of GDP. So if we're going to see a crack in the economy, it's going to show up in retail sales. That's where you want to kind of be looking. That's going to be your boots on the ground kind of indicator for a real turndown in the economy. And we just haven't seen that just yet. Okay, having said that, um, again, you know, last few days, market continues to go absolutely nowhere. Today looks like to be another day. Dow looks up to be about 140 points this morning. The s and up about 16, something, you know, kind of the same thing we saw yesterday. Again, sustainability of these rallies has been really just very, very difficult to come by. And, you know, this is has as been kind of challenging for investors, because again, no, kind of no matter what you do right now, you're just kind of stuck. And, and uh, in today's uh, daily market commentary, which is on our website now, we compared you know, yesterday's market performance to that over the last three months in terms of just what stocks are leading the way. And not surprisingly, it's a very narrow handful of stocks, just those big cap names, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, NVIDIA. Those are about the only stocks that are really dragging this market higher, something we've talked about before, and that remains the case right now. That is not sustainable long-term. Um, once we start looking at other sectors of the markets, there's a lot of sectors of the markets really out of favor right now. And at some point, you're going to get a rotation out of technology into some of these other areas. Now, it doesn't mean tomorrow. doesn't mean next week, next month. Um, but again, it's just you know, the the deviation between what's happening in technology versus the rest of the market is not sustainable long-term. You can't have just, you know, a market breadth of being that narrow is not sustainable long-term. So you're gonna get a rotation. Doesn't mean the market has to fall apart. Doesn't mean you have to have a major correction, but you are gonna get a rotation in this market. So don't forget to take some profits out of your technology stocks. If you've got a lot of tech in your portfolio right now, take some profits. Um, There'll be plenty of opportunity to buy it back cheaper a little bit later. Okay, this morning got a lot of stuff to get into with Danny Ratliff. He'll be joining us right after the break. Be sure to get to the website. Michael Leibowitz's new article is on the website, talking about bonds and uh, you know why the expectation is still that bonds are going to be a decent outperformer as we get past all this debt ceiling, uh, you know, issue and debate. That's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, stick around. Danny Ratliff will join me right after the break. We've got to get into quite a few topics this morning: IRAs versus Roth. And more importantly, what do Americans do after debt ceiling crises? We'll we'll talk about that next, right here on The Real Investment Show.
0: Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
1: Wow, Red, whatever are we gonna do over this hot, lazy summer? Don't
0: you worry, little darling. We're gonna break our money malaise. Don't let the summer doldrums sap your money's worth. Register for our next Candid Coffee with Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso with summertime tips for your idle cash. Saturday, June 3rd. It's our half-year financial checkup, breaking your money malaise this summer. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
1: Welcome back to the show this morning. Of course, I'm your host, Lance Roberts, Danny Ratliff, joining me as well. Good morning, Danny. How are you?
2: Good morning. Doing great.
1: How about Good. you? So the uh, question is, of course, uh, you know, the big profile headline right now is the debt ceiling debate. Of course, uh, one side of the coin is, is that, oh my gosh, the world's about to end. And the other side of the coin is, is we've been here before and done this and it's no big deal. In fact, we've done it 79 times and or 78 times, about to be 79 and we'll get through this but it, it's kind of interesting because again I, I was just reading uh an article this morning from bloomberg saying if we don't get the debt ceiling done and the treasury has to cut spending that'll be an eight percent hit to the economy that's massive by the way that's like depressionary type statistics when you start talking about an eight percent decline to an to an economy um you know but this is some of that hyperbole that's out there right so uh, again, the you know, the question is, of course, that, you know, when we take these things to extremes, obviously, right, which is we don't raise the debt ceiling so we can issue no more debt. OK, now, if we can't issue debt, that means that we can't fund the difference between what we have agreed to spend in the budget versus what we can pay for right so that debt is the is the credit card so to speak for the household right you have you know danny is, has got a hundred thousand dollars coming into his household he's a really rich guy so he's got a hundred thousand coming in and his wife has promised to spend 150 this year so danny's got to make up the difference between the 50 and so he's got to go get credit card debt same way same thing for the government that's just that's all we're talking about so One aspect of this, kind of from a logic standpoint, says, okay, well, if we can't issue more debt, then, yeah, we're going to have to cut spending, right? Now, that is bad economically, considering the fact that government spending makes up a chunk of the GDP. You know, we take a look at the GDP report, right? We get that out, you know, once a quarter. Right now, uh, Atlanta Fed is predicting 2.6% GDP growth for the second quarter. 70% of that number is what you and I and Danny spend. Mostly Danny, but what you and I spend, right? That's the personal consumption expenditures. That's what we're spending. Part of this is net imports and exports, right? The difference between what we export and import. Part of this is private investment from businesses. And then a chunk of it, of that remaining, you know, of the the remaining 30%, a a piece of that is government spending. So, yeah, if you strip out government spending entirely and say there is no government spending, you're going to have a drag on GDP growth. But see, that's not even really the case. Yes, government won't be able to spend at the rate that they're spending, but they still have three trillion dollars, three and a half trillion dollars worth of tax revenue coming in to spend. You just can't spend five trillion <laughs> on things like infrastructure rebuilding and all this other stuff that you want to do. Those are going to have to be put on the shelf for a while. So that would create an economic drag, absolutely. If we can, And this is assuming that we never resolve the debt ceiling, right? This is, this is where we take things to extremes. If we never raise the debt ceiling, that means we're going to have to permanently shutter parks. And those 950,000 non-essential workers that we have to lay off from the government will have to be laid off, period. That's what's going to happen. 1995 bill guarantees that Social Security will always be paid. So, out of that three and a half trillion dollars, interest on the debt will get paid, Social security will get paid, medical and federal will get paid so it 's important to keep these things in perspective. The reality is is that yes we 're going to get the debt ceiling passed at some point. somebody 's going to cave. This is all all we 're doing is playing chicken in Washington right now it 's Democrats versus Republicans, and it 's just whoever blinks first. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we're talking about. Uh, will Republicans cave in and, and and back off wanting any type of spending cuts or spending reforms or budgetary responsibility? Probably. They've done it every time in the past. Um, will Democrats back off wanting to spend more money? Absolutely not. So somebody's going to blink. We'll see who it is, but we'll get there. So the question, though, is, is what happens and what do Americans – this is an article in The Economist – what america does after a debt ceiling disaster sounds like a pretty grim headline danny
2: it sounds terrible
1: (laughs) so how many times have we had a debt ceiling disaster in history do you know
2: a a true debt ceiling disaster true
1: debt ceiling disaster i mean never Then how do they know what Americans do after the fact? Yeah. That's my only question. (laughs) I mean, the closest that you can get to a debt ceiling disaster was 2011 when we went through the whole debt ceiling debate issue back then. So I guess that's their point of reference, right?
2: Well, which we've been through many other times, but I mean, we had it delayed. It wasn't necessarily a complete disaster. Now, the market didn't like it initially, but as things kind of worked their way through, things got better. Yeah. Now. Certainly a, a much different economic environment than where we are today. I mean, we can make an argument that, you know, you look at P.E. ratios from a stock perspective, much different yeah. than where we are. However, um, you know, we have to deal with the we have to play with the, the, uh, the cards were dealt. So I think the interesting thing here is that we're seeing all of this, like you said, this information that is just dire, right? It, it's designed yeah. to get clicks. And what happens, I mean, what truly happens if we get in this environment and, and you talked about Republicans versus Democrats. And let's be honest, if Republicans were in office, Democrats would be doing the exact same thing that they're doing. <laughs> they're both going to spend money. Yep. They, they can't figure it out. Um, you know, many other problems that, that you and I won't solve today in this next 20, 30 minutes. But inevitably, this will get done. It's just a matter of when and what that timing looks. We know they're going to take it down to the wire. Uh, more conversations today. You know the interesting thing is they well, they cut President Biden's uh, travel plans short. Right. But he's not even meeting, and McCarthy's not even meeting. It's two of his aides and one of his aides. Right. When you start to actually see what's going on, it's like, wait a second, this doesn't even it doesn't really even happen-
1: rise to the level of desperation that we can get President Biden and McCarthy in the same room. Right. Just yeah. just let the let the aides do it. We'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just wondering,
2: like, how old are these aides? I mean, are these guys that are just out they're of calls? Interns? Yes, they're interns. I mean, they're, come they're on. They're in their 20s. <laughs> oh, man, this, the state of affairs But let, let me
1: read to you this, this uh, first piece. Now, this, this was on Yahoo Finance this morning. America is once again in the throes of a debt ceiling crisis. If Congress and the White House do not come to a deal, the government may run out of cash and be on the brink of a sovereign default, thereby uh, in just a few weeks most investors expect a last minute compromise thereby avoiding financial armageddon as during past crises yet positions on each side remain entrenched so i mean this is the the kind of hyperbole that's out there right financial armageddon sovereign default again we're not going to default on our debt at some point you're going to pay the the debt will always get paid we may have to delay an interest payment if we actually get so far past the x date even we can't raise money coming out of the you know, uh, the discretionary spending budget. But, you know, again, this is something we have actually been in before, 1979. We had a technical default, missed a payment because of the debt ceiling crisis. So been here, done this many times, it always gets revolve, resolved. And again, to Danny's point, a lot of this is just to get headlines and, uh, you know, it's, got it's clickbait more than anything else. But, you know, the problem with this is is that it gets – investors doing the wrong things with their money i'm getting lots of emails um about this and it's like oh my gosh i just need to have if if my money's in money markets you know what happens if we default on our debt right and we're not just relax (laughs) it's fine um but uh, but that's a good question right what happens well money markets are basically short-term bills correct right so let's assume the worst we get no debt ceiling done we missed interest payments right So that means that the interest payment coming in on the three-month T-bills doesn't come in. So how is the money market supposed to pay you the interest payment? Correct. Right? So the money market fund would have to say, hey, we can't pay you any interest on this until we get (laughs) our payments
2: coming in. Which, once they remediate this problem, they're going to come back and make back payments.
1: Correct. It all gets caught up. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, there's 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 certainly ramifications, but the reality is, like I said, you know, at the end, at, we go back to the beginning of all of this. There is the mandatory budget, which requires it to be paid. So, out of the three point six trillion dollars of money that comes in, it goes to pay interest on the debt, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and prescription drug benefits. That all gets paid first. Out of that, whatever's left over, that goes into discretionary spending. Now, one of the issues that We also have have the ability to do. Nobody wants to do this right now because nobody's back is against the wall. You can also prioritize payments. Correct. And so you have money coming in every month. The government has money coming in. We have money coming in on April 15th from taxes. We'll have money coming in again on taxes in October the 15th when uh, delayed filers pay. So there's always money coming into the government every single month. Sales tax revenue, all this type of stuff. It's constantly money coming in. So when that money comes in, the government will have to prior- prioritize payments. Oh, well, you know, I can't fund windmill building. I've got to go pay interest on the debt. You know, surprise is that just like a household, there are things that we want to spend money on. doesn't necessarily mean we can spend money on those things right now. We have other bills that we have to pay first that are more important. And those are the mandatory spending requirements of the budget. So, again, just, you know, it's important to keep all these things in perspective. We've been here before. Yes, if we get into a real debt ceiling showdown like we did in 2011, where there was an actual standoff, we went past the X date, and surprise, surprise, everything was still getting paid. Uh, we had to shut down the government. We had to lay off nonessential workers and close parks. Everybody's very upset about that. I get it. Smithsonian was closed. But... We got through that. We came up with a bipartisan commission. That's where we had uh, put in that we're going to cut a trillion dollars worth of spending. And we had the whole uh, fiscal cliff issue coming up in 2012. And it was all disaster. Stocks were down about 20 percent that summer during the debt ceiling debate. They recovered all of it by the end of the year.
2: Lance, since 1976, there have been 22 times that the federal government had a shutdown
1: due to lack of a federal budget amazing and how many of those were in the last decade it was armageddon right how many of those government shutdowns happened in the last decade because there's a bunch of them
2: <laughs> yeah no there, there have been i mean you look at 2011 2013 we had a, a pretty significant shutdown i mean yeah there is a lot of this that is not just i mean it's in the rearview mirror we've been there done that but we do have to be cautious i understand people's concerns certainly warranted yep yeah. but I think the likelihood that this plays out well, yeah,
1: yeah, just and just to keep it in perspective. Don't make bad emotional decisions based on clickbait headlines. That's our only that's our only comment here. All right, quick break. We're right back with Danny Raff. Don't go away.
0: The Real Investment Advice Blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com.
1: Hey, good morning. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Lance Roberts, of course. Danny Radliff joining me. So, stress about money. Obviously, uh, kind of a big topic right now. I thought it was interesting this morning regarding this, uh, you know, kind of this idea about money and and what's going on, etc. There was an interesting survey out, and this was a from the Wall Street Journal. It's a poll of one thousand and nineteen adults. It was conducted between March the first and the thirteenth of this year, and. It was interesting. They, they said, what values are important to you? In 1998, they've been doing this survey for a long time, by the way. In 1998, patriotism was 70% as an important value. Today, it's 38%. Religion has gone from 62% in 1998 to 39% as being an important value. Having children has gone from 59 to 30%. Community involvement has gone from 62 to 27 percent, and money has gone from 31 to 43 percent. So, the point is, is that it's interesting that we have now created this paradigm shift, more to being, you know, this idea about money being important, and and you know, the the status of our lifestyle, and the things that truly make us happy over time, right? The things that provide fulfillment, the things that you know, that provide you you know, a positive outlook, those type of things, patriotism, religion, having children, uh, being involved in your community, being involved in your church, those relationships, those social gatherings, etc., have fallen far and away from that. And it's not surprising, you know, with social media, they have, you know, regular polls that show loneliness as being a very big problem of, you know, the current generation coming up. They're detached from reality. They're detached from uh, community. They're detached from other people. You know, being online is great, but you're still sitting alone, right? And, you know, there's, there's a there's a thing that happens when you're involved with other people and you're involved in your community and your, and your or your church or whatever it is. It's that community, that social aspect that gives you fulfillment in life and makes you happy. And this is why we see a lot of, of issues of rising depression, more drug use in terms of— I don't mean drug use like illegal drugs, but more drug use in terms of treating things like— Depression and anxiety, and all these types of things. But the focus has now turned from these things that provide social and, you know, provide social fulfillment into money as a hopefully finding a, a replacement, right? If I could just have more money, then I'll be happy. And this is always the problem that people get into, you know, more money is going to make you happier. And yet what we find out is is that the more money you make, the more money you need because you keep upgrading your lifestyle to where you're you're at the point you're you're still stressed right about money so I was making twenty thousand a year now I'm making forty thousand a year now I'm stressed because I don't have enough money to support my forty thousand dollar a year lifestyle so now I've got to make sixty and and this is the chase that inevitably occurs and it creates you know you know there's always the old saying about Money is is the root of all you know. uh, What I'm sorry, I got that backwards. You know, they say (laughs) I hate when I screw shit up like that. (laughs) So, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, right? And that's that's the point that you know we think we can solve with money. Of course, and and this is the thing we're always trying to solve. And, And it was interesting because there was an article out today. Um, this was on CNBC talking about stressed about money. The number one way to worry less and this is from a certain behavioral wealth specialist and, and talking about that, you know, 70 percent of Americans report feeling financially stressed. And of course, they're unhappy because they're financially stressed. And when you take a look at divorce statistics, the top two reasons for divorce in the country are infidelity and, and financial. Right. And so, of course, if you're having financial stress, that means you're probably not focusing on the marriage and the fidelity becomes a problem. So generally, those two are are fairly linked, uh, pretty close to the hip. And, you know, we continue to see rising levels of divorce. So, you know, it's kind of just an interesting dichotomy that we've got ourselves into today in terms of, you know, what we think will solve. If I can just get more money, my problems will be solved. Yet the more money we make, the more problems we have. And some of the un- most unhappy people you will ever meet are rich people. <laughs> they, are, they are miserable <laughs> most of the time. So, you know, it's not, it's not what we think. So it's, it's important to try to keep these things in perspective. But, Danny, you know, this uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting story that, you know, this idea of, you know, focusing on, you know, how to reduce financial stress.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you bring a couple of interesting points. Number one, you know, going back to, to what you said a moment ago was, you know, I don't know that it's rich people that are necessarily unhappy. I think the rich are, are, or let's, let's say wealthy. Yeah. They figured it out. It's the people who are, um, you know, they're living above their means. They may have a high income. And like you said, they make 20. Now they need to, you know, then they get to 40. Now they need to know, know how to make 50, 60, 70. It's that perpetual hamster wheel. I mean, I remember uh, when I first started off in this profession, the, you know, there's a handful of ways i worked for a big firm and um, they, they said, okay, great. Now you need to go buy a house. Oh, you need a new car. You need this. Constantly, the the management would always tell you you needed to go do more because they wanted you to go have to make more just to keep up with your lifestyle. And I think that's very prevalent, especially in corporate America. And so that, I think, you know, leads to that financial stress over time because what if you don't always make more money? I think, you know, most people are probably more optimistic than not. And we always think we're going to make yeah. more money. We're going to get right. a, that bonus. And the issue becomes is that at some point you start living above your means to keep up with that lifestyle creep. And this is what we talk about frequently within financial planning with how we work with clients, you know, making sure that, okay, great, you got that raise. What are you going to do with it? Um, How can you put yourself in a better situation? And so it's understandable. 70% of Americans say they're feeling financially stressed because of inflation.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And, And this is a big one. You know, when we look at financial plans, we're having a lot of clients that are actually cutting back, but yet they're still spending the same amount of money. Because of what it costs to go out to eat, what it costs to get groceries, um, filling up the tank, well, that's, that's come down some, um, not nearly as bad as what it was, but still not great. And so, you know, I think that, you know, living inside these vacuums and when you see everybody, you talked about the stress that many people feel. And I think, you know, social media has become a major problem with this, Lance, is because we see only, you know, one, it's, it's, a, it's an echo chamber. You know, what you're looking at is going to just feed right back into it. The algorithm is going to show you the same exact stuff. But that's not always what you see. You ever see those, mm. uh, I don't know if they're called memes or GIFs or whatever, where they say, okay, here's the Internet and then here's reality. Right. You know, people are actually trying to do it. And unfortunately, that's not what is shown uh, actually what goes on in the real world. I mean, we all have friends that you see online and you're like, how in the world do they live this lifestyle? That's not exactly what they do every day, right? <laughs> They're not in Turks and Caicos every weekend,
1: right? But no, look, it, it's a it's a real challenge. Um, you know, with my kids, um, as an example, because you know, like I was talking to my daughter just the other day, and she's got big dreams and aspirations for life, right? And and which is great. You know, it, it's you, you should dream when you're young, you should have dreams and aspirations and goals and all those type of things. And you know, it's, it's it's a hard conversation. You know, to get them to understand that what they see on the internet and on TikTok and on Instagram, etc., is not real in most cases. You know, it's there's some twenty-year-old kid and he's like, "Oh, here's my uh, you know collection of high-end exotic cars, and I've got you know fifteen you know Lamborghinis sitting in my driveway," type thing. Um, probably not real. <laughs> you know, he's doing it for for clicks and for views and those type of things. And you know, so it and it's also just not realistic to have those type of expectations. And and for instance, my daughter's like, man, I really want to go live in New York. And I'm like, do you have any idea what it costs to live in? I, I, I think living in New York's got a romantic tinge to it. Everybody, uh, you probably especially one when you're point young. Life, yeah, it's one one point of your life, you want to go live in New York. I lived in New York for two years. <laughs> it's incredibly it costs more to park my car in new york than it did for the apartment so (laughs) you know know, it's just it's just crazy right and it's just those are the type of things that you know you've got to kind of connect the dots to and it's like great if you want to go do that you're going to have to have a career that will support that lifestyle and so this is and this is going to become the bigger challenge And, and this is where we get back to you know and danny's not there yet his kids are, are a lot younger, but he's not to the point of having to talk to his kids about what career choices they're going to have to make yet. And and but I'm in that phase right now. I've got three kids, either in college or about to be in college. One's out, and you know, talking about the next generation of where jobs are going to be. Right, artificial intelligence, robotics, you know, the you know, healthcare. These are going to be the the areas that can make money. Um, you know, and, this, and, and there's certain things that are going to be consistently better paying jobs versus a lot of other degrees. For instance, if you go get a degree in management, as an example, it's a very nebulous degree. doesn't have a lot of teeth to it. And so you've got a management degree. That's great. That may get you into the door of, of, of a business, but you better have a skill set that goes along with that of whatever that is, that, whatever that business needs so uh, a more defined degree, and this is the conversation we have, is like instead of just getting a general management degree, which doesn't really teach you a lot, now the, you know, you're going to have to need a lot of experience to prove up you know what you're doing, have a defined degree, finance, accounting, artificial intelligence, computer engineering, those type of things. That not only gets you in door, but you walk in with the skill set. If you're going on the business side, right? If you're going into other areas, if you're going to be a doctor, you need to be – You know, focus on that. Um, But these are the conversations we're going to have with our kids because it is a very different world that they're growing up into and this reality of what is life and what money can do for you versus what you see on the Internet are two vastly different things, and that's the biggest challenge that we as parents have to help our kids be successful in life. All right, be right back after the break. Danny Ratliff. Uh, Join me and we'll wrap the show up. Don't go away.
0: Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. All
1: right, so get ready. Just talk a little bit about. You know, money, financial stress, these type of things. This is something that everybody deals with, you know, all the time. And and financial stress is not new to anybody. Everybody has it. And it really doesn't matter, like I said, how much money you make. Some of the most unhappy, miserable people I know are rich people. And, you know, they're just not happy. They're not, they they do great. They make a lot of money, but they don't have any fulfillment. So it's, it's important, you know, to, and again, this goes back to that survey from the Wall Street Journal you know this whole you know kind of breakdown in society that we've had really since the turn of the century has been you know pretty dismal um again you know just a, a dramatic fall in patriotism you know you know the number of people going to church has dissipated dr- dramatically right uh, and you know the idea of having children has has dropped markedly because again you know people are becoming and you hate to say this but they're becoming more self-centered right i just i don't want the responsibility of children i want to be able to you know kind of live my life the way i want to live it and do the things i want to do
2: which all those things go hand in hand right
1: right right yeah and when you have children they're very they take up a lot of time <laughs> no, not a lot of time
2: all of your time
1: <laughs> But they're also very fulfilling at the end of the day. And and again, you know, when you kind of look back at your life, you say, you know, what made me the happiest? What what were the moments in life where I was most happy? I doubt you're going to say you were the most happy in your life when you were sitting around the couch watching TikTok. Right. Um, You know, (laughs) it's going to be I was, you know, this one time I was on vacation with my friends and we had a great time. Right. And, and that's the, one of the happiest moments I had, you know, whatever it was, the, the day I got married, you know, day I had killed, you know, day I had children, those type of things. Those are the things that provide fulfillment in life. And, and, if you, and, and unfortunately, if you don't have religion, you also don't have anything to look forward to life. So, you know, there's there's also that uh, it doesn't lead you a lot you know, to, to work with. So, you know, you know, it's important that, you know, money is important. Right. And and as I said earlier, money can't buy you happiness, but money buys you a lot of whatever comes in second. Um, You know, so so I'm not discounting that money is not important because it is. It provides us the facilities to do the things that we want to do that can make us happy. Again, it won't buy happiness, but it can provide the, the ability for us to do the things that make us happy. The question is, is you have to find what it is that actually makes you happy. And if you're not happy, you need to ask yourself, why am I not happy? Why am I not fulfilled? Why do I not look forward to getting up every day? And then start figuring out what that problem is because it's not money. And that's the, and that's the thing you have to focus on.
2: Yeah, and I think money, you know, it's, it's really important in the aspect that, you know, it's what we deal with every single day. But it's that financial security, the freedom that allows you to yeah. do things. And, you know, I work with a lot of different types of people and, and a, a lot of small business owners that get to a liquidity event. And the guys that are most successful you know, or just in retirement, are people that have a plan now a lot of them they continue to work they're like hey I'm not slowing down this isn't you know I, I enjoy what I do I'm going to continue to do this but if they don't if they say hey I'm going to get this paycheck and hang it up they have a pretty defined plan as far as what they're going to do they're not just waking up and kind of you know they're not a feather in the wind so to speak they have a plan as far as here's what I here's what my day is going to look like here's where I'm going to spend my time and energy and that may be you know, service work, it may be with kids, it may be with grandkids, but every one of them has some type of idea as far as what they envision. The ones that I see that don't have much planning, so to speak, that's where they get in trouble. And mm-hmm. I think that's just anything in, in life.
1: Yeah. But again, you know, when you talk about this, you know, when, when you talk to, to successful, happy people, right? They, it's to your point. Well, okay, when you retire, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to be involved in my community. I'm going to do service work. I'm going to work for a charity. I'm going to do. You know, I'm gonna work through the church or whatever it is. But there's always some type of involvement being there, right? They're the remaining active, they're remaining involved in the community, they're remaining involved with other people. Social networking. Social networking, yeah. those type playing golf with his, with your buddies, you know, whatever it is. But it's that human connection, it's that human interaction that that provides fulfillment and happiness. And you know, this is this is the one thing that. You know we're starting to drift more and more away from as we become more isolated as individuals but this is also why we see such a rise of people being so unhappy so depressed those so, you know these type of things and yes we all want to point it back to being the issue of money and it's not fair because i don't make as much money as i as i should be making to make me happy there was an interesting article out today um there's a guy who's been on sick leave for 15 years
2: okay <laughs> How do you now, pull this one off?
1: So it's in Europe. Um, he works well, for go. IBM. No, no, no. He works for IBM, um, but he, he lives in Europe. And he's been making $67,000 a year for 15 years. He's been on sick leave. He had leukemia. Disability. So he's been on disability. So, but IBM has kept him on the payroll at 67000 and change a year for 15 years. And he sued IBM. Because he was not given a raise in 15 years. Now he lost the case in court. the The judge threw it out immediately. But the guy actually sued IBM for not having gotten a raise after being on sick leave for 15 years. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't figure that one out. But there you yeah. go.
2: What What were his, What does his performance reports look like? <laughs>
1: Did not show hey, wait, do so I have that from yesterday? yesterday. <laughs> Let's see. Performance reports. These are actual quotes from performance evaluation. Since my last report, this employee has reached rock bottom and shows no signs of starting and shows signs of starting to dig. <laughs> His men would follow him anywhere, but only out of morbid curiosity. I would not allow this employee to breed. This associate is really not so much of a has been, but more of a definitely won't be. He would be out of his depth in a parking lot puddle. <laughs> this young person has delusions of adequacy. So those are actual statements. On All on one person? No, no, no. Those okay. are different. But, <laughs> it's like,
2: wow, this is a really creative manager here.
1: Yeah. But so I can't imagine performance reports every year. He did not show up to work. He's been on sick leave this year. He should go far.
2: <laughs> well, if he was a government employee, he probably would have gotten those bonuses. Probably. This is, Pay this is a true
1: fact. But the, 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 you know, just to wrap this up, and, and we'll get on to other topics here. But uh, like I said, you know, it's important to, and this is, uh, I think, going back, and you know, we talk about raising money smart kids. We talk about doing all these type of things for your kids, um, you know, how to make them financially better stewards of their money. We, we, you know, those are the mechanics of being financially well-off. But it's also important to teach your kids how to be happy. And that's a very different and tough challenge in today's environment. So it's something you've really got to have a lot of, you know, spend time with your kids and talking to them about, you know, there's more to life than what you see on social media. Well, In, I think, I think identifying
2: those biggest stressors and mm-hmm. then communicating well with it. The most successful families, I talk about this frequently, yeah. are, especially monetarily are the ones that communicate and communicate well. You know, I have a lot of conversations with our clients and, and about their kids and sometimes says, well, okay, hey, this is great, but are you going to relay this information to them or should I? Because if you're not going to talk about this, then what, what are we doing? And essentially, what are you doing? And this, and that's where we start to establish bad habits. Um, you know, you see a lot of it where people will well, they'll bankrupt their own retirement for their children, and, and I've seen this happen time and time again. And you know, oh, I promise this is it. I'm not going to do it anymore. And then a phone call six months later, hey, so uh, this came up, and I get it. I, I'm not in those shoes as of yet, but I've got a lot of experience dealing with it, and I can tell you, is that you know we talked about that hamster wheel. Once the kids get on that they drain the bank of mom and dad pretty quick <laughs> yeah
1: no they do and and that's uh, so anyway enough of that we've 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 got there
2: yeah i'm sure everybody's <laughs> all right
1: <laughs> so uh so danny uh any uh issues that we've got working on i know we've talked uh before about you know roth iras and and these type of things what's what's the latest uh you know kind of up, update on that
2: yeah I, I think look so you know having a lot of conversations about people saying, hey, where do we put money right now? Can I put funds into the the Roth IRA or traditional IRA? You know, this is something that, you know, we do speak about frequently. You know, you can contribute to a general IRA for the year prior, all the way up to about April 15th or tax day deadline. Um, But now starting to think about what does it look like for this year? Um, You know, for somebody that's under the income limits, I would certainly go ahead and start making those contributions. If you have the ability to potentially be over it, you do need to be careful here. So, um, but you know, we can always go back and recharacterize those types of contributions. Now, if you do a conversion from a traditional IRA to a Roth, you cannot. And so that's one area I think it's the media is beginning to talk more and more about it. We do need to understand the repercussions of income limitations. And if your CPA were to come back to you and say, "Hey guys, you you did a little too much," we may want to pull some off the table here. Um, you cannot on that conversion. Now, one other thing. As you know, we can we look at a lot of employer plans, and we're seeing more and more Roth, four hundred one k's. And there's this big misconception, Lance, that if you're if you make too much money, you can't put funds into the Roth four hundred one k. Now, this is much different than the Roth IRA in the sense that there is no income limitations. You can put up the exact same amount in a Roth four hundred one k as you can a traditional four hundred one k. There are no income limitations. Uh, associated with it, unlike the Roth IRA. So on a Roth IRA, for example, um, if you're making, you know, you can put up to Mm $6,500 if you're under 50, you get that $1,000 catch up um, if you're over. But if you're single um, and you make less than $138,000, you can contribute to it. Um, If you're married filing jointly, it's $218,000. And so somebody who's maybe making 250 dollars married filing jointly may say, hey, I can't put the funds in. You actually can but you need to understand, you know, what are the tax ramifications? Um, you're not going to get the pre-tax, so your paychecks will shrink a little bit. But long-term, yep. will you actually retire in a lower tax bracket? Probably not. I, don't know. I, I see it often that you actually don't. My goal, don't.
1: my goal though, is to retire in the highest possible tax bracket. Right? I want to have I want to have enough money in the bank <laughs> that my income generation from that puts me in the highest possible tax bracket. That's well, my but goal. we'd
2: want to be able to. I want you to have the most income. And pay the least amount of taxes. Well, I understand that. That's that's the other caveat. Where do you put the funds to avoid that?
1: Right. Exactly. But you won't let me retire anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, you're
2: never retiring. What does it matter?
1: I have a strong belief in religion because I want to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Lance is on the, the
2: dad strategy, DAD, diet desk.
1: <laughs> exactly. Sooner the better. Anyway, have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow with Michael Leibowitz. We'll get caught up on the Fed, interest rates, inflation, and whatever else is going on in the markets. That'll be tomorrow's show. Of course, in the meantime, get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.